Well, good morning. I am uh, Josh Polsky. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here at Spruce Grove Alliance Church. And uh, you guys got stuck with me this Sunday. Everybody else is camping. So I am it. You get me. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, we, um, Scott asked me actually way ahead in advance, so I knew this was coming. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, he actually, uh, he just kind of told me, he says, just, Josh, just go up and just, you know, tell everybody what you've learned from Jesus this last year. So it's kind of an easy one for me because, man, this year was kind of a big year for me. Um, actually, a year ago today, me and Beth were just finishing up my, like, our internship together at, uh, at Victory Church in Airdrie. So it's kind of been a whirlwind from you know, internship to now. So going back even a year has been quite a, you know, quite a journey. Um, actually, even the last month has been kind of crazy. Um, uh, and this week, this week alone has been kind of a big one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I won't get into it. It was, it was a long one for me. It was good. Um, but uh, so I'm going to start this morning just with some prayer, and then we'll get into, uh, we'll get into where I'm going to take you. So, dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning and uh, the fantastic weather that you've given us, um, especially over this long weekend, God. Man, we appreciate what you do for us. We appreciate you. Uh, God, we just pray that you would just reveal yourself to us this morning um, and that those camping, that you'd reveal yourself to them this morning as well, that uh, we know there's quite a few of us from this church that are all out camping together. We just pray that you would just be with them this morning as they, uh, as they uh, fall into your word this morning together as well. So we just pray this in your name, amen. So this morning, I'm going to actually take everybody to Job, Job 32. So if you have Bibles or apps or whatever, go to Job 32. Um, this is actually one of my favorite passages for multiple different reasons. Uh, Job at this time... By this time in the book, Job has already lost everything, and uh, his friends have been coming to try and bring him back out of his crazy amount of grief and depression and kind of blaming God for all kinds of things. And his three friends have tried, but now we get to verse, or we get to chapter 32, and uh, those three friends have kind of stopped. They gave up. And uh, that's when we get... Elihu, who steps kind of onto the scene, and he's a young guy. Uh, and I'm trying to give you guys like a nice youthful perspective. He's kind of the, you know, he's from the youth group. He's like the small, you know, runt that has been waiting and kind of timidly sitting back, listening to all the old guys going and speaking to Job. And he, uh, anyway, that's where we are. Elihu is finally stepping up. So, uh, Job 32. So these three men stopped answering Job, those were his three friends, because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzite, of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job and yet had condemned him. Now Elihu had waited for speaking, he had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that these three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite, said, I am young in years and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me, and I too will tell you what I know. I waited while you spoke. I listened to your reasoning while you were searching for words. I gave you my full attention, but not one of you has proved Job wrong. None of you has answered his arguments. And do not say we have found wisdom. Let God refute him, not man. But Job has not marshaled his words against me, and I will not answer him with your arguments. They are dismayed and have no more to say. Words have failed them. Must I wait now that they are silent? 
now that they stand there with no reply, I too will have my say, and I too will tell what I know. For I am full of words, and the spirit within me compels me. And inside I am like a bottled up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak and find relief. And I will show partiality to no one, nor will I flatter any man. For I, if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. So I read the entire chapter. Um, there is, uh, this, this verse kind of gave me some courage this morning, too. Uh, because, man, I, I'm a young guy. And, uh, man, I have stuff to say, too, right? But I'm not saying that from, that's not what I'm preaching out of this morning. This morning, actually, um, there's two things that I learned from this passage. One of them was that Job needed to listen to others. And this last year, I needed to learn to listen to others. I was, you know, when it came to even listening to Beth, for example, whew, you know, my wife, <laughs> it's hard. I needed to learn. Uh, and number two was um, something that I want to read in verse, uh, or in chapter 33. Um, chapter 33, verse 12. But I tell you in this, you are not right. He is now speaking to Job. For God is greater than man, and why do you complain to him that he answers none of man's words? For God does speak, now one way, now another. And though man may not perceive it, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings. And I'm going to stop there. Uh, That was the second thing that I really needed to learn was how to listen to God, was how to hear from him. And uh, because, like I said, man, it was a big year for us, and we went through a lot of stuff. And coming out of the internship, um, I'm going to tell you, the internship was great. We learned so much there. However, (laughs) the way that it ended kind of pushed me into this weird zone of I wasn't sure if I was even ready to do this. I wasn't sure if ministry was where I should go. And um, I had to learn. I had to listen. So that's the two things I really want to talk about this morning is uh, I needed to learn to listen to others, and I needed to learn to listen to God. So first, learning to listen to others. Um, Yeah, I was not open to learning from from Beth, for example. And we had lots of conversations um, about what was being taught on Sunday, and I wasn't even willing to learn from what was being taught on Sunday. And there was a, a few things. Uh, we went to a Pentecostal church. That's where um, our, we did our internship. So they kind of taught some different things that I was not used to hearing. And um, so one of them that I was a little resistant to was tongues. You know, I was a little resistant to that. Uh, healing, resistant to that. Deliverance. Even just the filling of the Holy Spirit, I didn't have a good understanding of even what filling of the Holy Spirit meant. And uh, so Beth and I, we'd leave these Sunday services, and we'd have these conversations in the car, and I would be resistant. And I would be saying, I don't know, I don't know, you know, I don't know about that. And she would just be kind of saying, like, well, maybe you need to open yourself up. Um. We had a really long drive once talking about it. We just go for drives sometimes when we need to talk because we're away from everything. <laughs> I can hear her laughing over there because it's true. Uh, yeah, so we got on this long drive, and I remember it. I just pulled over, and I was going to make my point, and I was going to be like, no, I don't think that this is how it should be, and I was getting ready to do that. And then she turned to me and kind of flipped it and said, you are not listening, and therefore you're not learning. And, uh, whew, man, that hit me hard. <laughs> and I didn't even want to necessarily listen to her in the car. I was like, psh. <laughs> I was like, I, trying to find words, nothing's coming. And, uh, yeah, that was, um, that was big. Learning to listen to her, of all people. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm sure all of you know that when somebody's closer to you, sometimes it's harder to actually listen to them than it is to a total stranger. Um, so that was me. Um, yeah, I was really engaged. 
and I needed to, you know, learn slowly that when she spoke to me, I needed to listen. And there was things to be learned from what she had to say. So she's Elihu. You know, when Elihu is coming in and he's the young gun and saying, like, I am tired of what, I'm tired, Job, of listening to you not listening, right? It's time that you pick up what God's laying down. And uh, that's Beth in my life. She was Elihu and I was Job sitting there like, I have nothing left to learn. I know everything there is to know about God. Uh, And she's like, whoosh, no. So, uh, yeah. There wasn't just then either, you know, that was the beginning of a long journey for me. Uh, Two years she nudged me in services when they would mention, oh, uh, if anybody needs a good fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, come on up, we'll pray for you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need that. And Beth's like nudging me, she's like, I think you should go up there. (laughs) And uh, every time I kind of look at her and be like, no, nope, nope, and uh you know, victory, they were Pentecostal, so they would kind of lay it in, not just with fresh filling of the Spirit, but also what the Spirit brings, which is the gifts of the Spirit. And if you want to be, you know, filled with, or you want to have gifts of the Spirit come up, we'll fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you can receive the gifts. And I was like, it's not how that works. And, uh, you know, I don't need no Holy Spirit to receive gifts. Well, apparently you do, you know. Um, things to learn. Uh, Pentecostals, man, they know things that I didn't know. Uh, so yeah, we, there was two years of that where she just nudged me slowly, uh, carefully, <laughs> and she was very patient. Um, there was, anyway, the first time I went up, when they actually asked, if you want a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, she wasn't with me <laughs> at the time. Um, I was at men's conference, and the the guy who was speaking said, hey, you, you men need to step up. It's time. And I was like, you're right. It's time. And uh, she wasn't there to nudge me and be like, yeah, Josh, get up there. And uh, so for some reason, it just made it easier for me to do it. Not that I appreciated that, but I needed to do it myself. And uh, so I went up. And, uh, you know, nothing in particular happened that was crazy. I remember I just, I felt like God was saying, you have me already, right? But I want to give you more. And that was the beginning of a conversation that led me to a lot of personal healing and a lot of personal growth. Uh, Just going up for prayer. (laughs) Yeah, going up for prayer. That is uh, sometimes where we need to find ourselves, is when we don't have all the answers, when we need God to give us more. So I saw, you know what, one thing I think we should learn is that Jesus learned. He sought out teaching. Uh, Just bringing you guys to Luke, Luke 2. Luke 2.41. It's a passage of Jesus in the temple. This is what it says. It says, Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives. (laughs) When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days... Three days they found him. Uh, Sorry, it's just kind of funny. I mean, if your parents were looking for you, sorry, let's keep going. Um, They found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth uh, with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Uh, Jesus found himself in the temple, and he asked questions, and he listened, and he learned. Uh, (laughs) 
I think that's something that we need to remember, is that he too submitted himself to an authority, and he listened to what they had to say. And he took it all in. One of the biggest things in this passage, though, isn't necessarily the temple courts, but I find it's his relationship with his parents that is super funny to me. Because, first of all, he was away from them for four days, not just three, because they were with, or no, it would have been, it would have been five days, because they were with, you know, without him a day, and then they're like, oh, he's not here with us. We should probably go back and look for him. And then they went back, and they looked in Jerusalem for three days. I don't know about you, but if I, if I know my mom, she would be livid. And that would be a conversation to have. And, <laughs> um, and sure enough, it says here, right? Why would you do, why have you treated us like this? Right? She's just asking him, right? I am your parents. Why have you not just come with us? Why do you need to do this to us? And, uh, and he replies, and they go, well, that's great, but you're coming, right? And, uh, and he is obedient to them. He, uh, he submits himself not only to the authority of the teachers in the temple, but also to his parents. And youth, I think that's something that you guys need to remember, is that when it comes down to listening to your parents, maybe sometimes you may not understand or you may think you have a better idea of how things are done, but listen. Be obedient. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, I think that's one thing that we need to remember is that Jesus learned. He, uh, he took it in. He paid attention, and he sought understanding. Uh, the second thing I needed to learn was to listen from God. Uh, I'm going to go to Mark 1. Mark 1.35. And very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look, look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. <clears throat> that, uh, that passage, I think, kind of gives us a good picture of Jesus' understanding of how to listen to God. See, Jesus prayed and he listened. And I think the important thing is that we need to see here is that God showed him what to do. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> See, the thing is, is that Jesus has this understanding, and I think at the same time, he's with a bunch of kids, right? The disciples were young. They were basically, and I, I had somebody tell me that the disciples were like the first youth group. And they were running around, and Jesus is like, okay, you know what? Where do I find the best time in the day to hear God? Well, they're awake from, so this place here is nice. And, uh, and they come searching for him, and he just calmly is ready. He's already heard from God. He's been sitting in the presence of God, waiting. And they go, where are we going to go? And he goes, I know exactly where we're going to go. This is where we're going to go. We need to go preach to these people right here. And uh, <laughs> the disciples, they, they're young. They still have things to learn. And uh, Jesus, he, he went and prayed and listened. He has a good understanding of how to do that. He got up early, and he got up at the most still part of the day, the most still. When everything is quiet, it's very still. In the morning, you know, you guys go outside, and there's the dew kind of on the grass. You know, the birds are just kind of waking up. They're not even moving around, really. They're just kind of singing in their trees. It is a quiet time. And uh, that's when Jesus chose to listen is because that's when there's the least amount of stuff going through his mind, distracting him. And I think that's something that, uh, man, I needed to learn this last year. I want to give you guys two quotes. Uh, one that kind of walked me through this last year first, a uh, quote by Bill Hybels. My dad gave me a uh, CD uh, Bill Hybels has on the power of, uh, or the whisper of God. And the power of a whisper. So I'm going to give you a quote from that. 
He says, I've come to believe that hearing the quiet whisper of the transcendent God is one of the most extraordinary privileges in all my life and potentially the most transforming dynamic of the Christian faith. Another quote uh, that I went through this last year is by Rob Reamer. God appeared to Elijah not in the wind, nor the earthquake, nor in the fire, but in a gentle whisper. And these promptings are easy to miss because they are a gentle whisper and we are busy people. <clears throat> something, that, uh, something that actually I heard from Beth this, um, this last year was that she told me this. She sent me a text and it kind of caught me off guard. But she was uh, doing her devos and she sent me this. It makes me grieve that I've been too busy to listen to the gentle whisper of his voice because I choose to be busy. And uh, out, coming out of the internship, that was the biggest thing I realized I needed. Uh, ministry keeps you very, very busy. And when I was on the internship, I was going full tilt, not stopping, going, all, I think we were there maybe four to five times uh, in the evenings during the week. Uh, so that left one day that we had to ourselves at home outside of the weekend. And, uh, yeah, we were just going, and I didn't really think to stop. I was spending so much time serving God that I actually hadn't spent time to spend it with him and to listen and to hear him and to have him build into me. And uh, so I, I needed him, and I needed him desperately. After the internship, man, I needed him. And I think that's something that we all need you know, to know is that we need him desperately. Uh, we are weak, and we need him. So how do we hear from God? How do we listen? As we've kind of heard from, we've heard, uh, you know, Jesus. Jesus goes up in the morning. He gets up in the morning in the most still time so he can not be busy, where he just knows that there's nothing else happening. I think that's something that's good. Elijah also tells us that he heard from God uh, you know, in a whisper on the mountain. That's another one. And then Elihu, he kind of gives us a, another idea. Um, and in chapter 33, verses 12 to 18, he says, you know, we are also told in our dreams when we sleep. And that, um, that was kind of something that I didn't think about too much. I had lots of dreams, and over this last year, I started to realize that those dreams actually have purpose and meaning for me in my life. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was hard to hear from God when I was super busy. Um, just to give you kind of an idea, the, the last end uh, that, made us start to, that made me even start to seek God was uh, we, uh, I got a job offer uh, at the end of the internship, and they wanted me to stay on as the associate pastor. And... Uh, the only thing I could think to do was, man, I need, I need God to tell me. I have no idea if I should be here. And uh, so we started to seek, and we started to seek heavily, way more heavily than I had been doing during the, the internship at all. And funny thing, that when you start to seek God and you start to look for him to tell you what you should be doing, he actually tells you. And, uh, oh, man, <laughs> there was a, it all started actually out of a, an honor meeting. I had a drought. I hadn't heard from God for probably three years. And me and Beth, we would go home, and I would tell her, I'd be like, I'm just so tired. I, I'd even be crying. I was, I was like, I just need to hear from him, and I'm not hearing anything. And so during this time when I was like, God, I need you, I was adamant. I was like, I, I am not going to refuse you telling me where I need to go. And uh, it's like Jesus. When Jesus went up in the morning, it's not like he just went and prayed and then left before he got an answer from God. He went up and he prayed and he waited until God gave him the answer. He knew every single day what he was going to be doing that day. Uh, so there was an honor meeting that we had in our internship. And it was something hard that I needed to learn and it was to honor um, my fellow pastors. And uh, it was greeting them on Sunday. That's really what it was. They just wanted to teach me to greet one another on Sunday and uh, because I wasn't doing that, and I, you know, it wasn't a fun thing to hear uh, when somebody's telling you something you need to work on, but I knew I needed it, 
and we went back, but I was still super frustrated. And um, I sat in my office, and this was the first time I'd heard from God in a long time. I closed my eyes, and God gave me this weird vision. And I'd never experienced that, and I still haven't since then. And it was, uh, it was just this kind of bright light. I'm like, God, I just need you to speak. And I closed my eyes, and I just waited. And all I got was this kind of light, and it slowly, it was a fire, and it slowly turned into a flower, and it bloomed into a flower. And as it bloomed, it started to wilt and decay, and I was following the wilting down the stem towards the roots. And when I opened my eyes, I was like, that's me. I'm the flower. I'm wilting. I'm dying. And I need to change. Uh, He gave me a few other visions right after that, things that I didn't really realize what they were until later, Uh, things that I talked about with Beth, and then my mom kind of gave me a good interpretation of what they meant, and sure enough, that came to pass. Um, Another thing uh, that I learned that started, it was, uh, I think, a few weeks later, we were doing a victory conference, and that's when things started to pick up. We had been prepping for this victory conference for a while. And, uh, you know, we were still praying, should we be here, should we not be here? We felt like maybe because we haven't heard anything for a few weeks, we should stay. Um, so I remember I, the one night I couldn't go to sleep. And uh, I don't know what was going on, I just couldn't sleep. And it, uh, for some reason I got this weird idea, man, you got to go brush your teeth. So at 1 o'clock in the morning, I go and brush my teeth. <laughs> Don't do it as often as, you know, but I was like, for some reason, brushing my teeth at one, that's what I'm going to do. So I go up, and as I brush my teeth, I'm leaving, going back to bed, and I get this weird thought from God, like, Josh, just look under the door. And I was like, look under the door? <laughs> okay. And I get down, and I look under the door, expecting, like, God's going to, you know, I'm going to see some feet or some giant light or something. Nope. I'm like, all right. I stand up and I feel like, look under the door again. I was like, all right. Nothing there. Seven times. And I was like, okay. After the seventh time, I was like, God, that's it. I opened the door. I was like, if, there, if you're out there, you can come find me. I am going to bed. I am not going to do this all night. <laughs> and I get to, I jump into bed and I feel like, Josh, look at the door. I'm like, ah. Feel that seven times again. I'm like, hey, what's going on? If something's happening, just tell me. I'm tired of this whole, look at the door, Josh. And uh, eventually, I was like, hey, God, that's it. I'm going to bed. That's it. And I I put my arm over Beth. I'm like, all right. And as soon as I did that, I heard this audible voice say my name. Never had that happen to me before. Just my name, that was it. And I was like, all right, God, I'm coming. And I walked out the door, and the presence of God outside of our bedroom was nothing like I'd ever felt before. And I don't know if you guys have been in the presence of God where it's a worship service or it's even a a sermon or something, and you just know God is there. That's what that was. And I just, all I could think to do was just to lay down on my face, and I said, God, you just tell me what I need to do. And I didn't get a word. I was waiting. I was like, God, if he said my name, he can speak to me audibly again, right? Nope. That was just the one. And I think he just needed to know that I was really ready. So that kind of opened up some floodgates. Man. Um, So we went back to the conference. I had two prophetic words. I went up to the front. uh, You know, one of those nudgings. Beth wasn't there. That was me. I went up to the front and... uh, you know, they were like, hey, if you're, if you're being called into ministry, we want to pray over you. And I was like, all right. Walked up the front. Beth was some reason standing at the door, and I said, you need to come too. And we went up. And uh, this guy came up to me. He was a speaker. I thought my senior pastor was going to pray over me because I placed myself in front of him. And I was like, I'm right here. And uh, nope. He reached over me, and he grabbed two other guys from our church, and he pulled them up and prayed over them. And I was still thinking about, should I be here? Should I be here at this church? And that, to me, was like God was saying, no. And I was still resistant. I was like, well, I'm just going to wait. You know, he, he could come pray for me. 
and he didn't. And uh, I had one of the other speakers, he comes up to me, and he grabs me by, by the face, and uh, he's like, God's calling you into ministry, he's calling you into your giftings, and he names them all. And he had no idea who I was, and he says, worship, discernment, and, and lets me go. And uh, I look at Beth, and I was like, man, we, we got to go. And uh, she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, it, didn't, it took till Sunday, and I went up Sunday. She was sick. And I went up Sunday, and uh, it was like, if you have fear going into ministry, come up to the front and get prayed for. I was like, that's me. And I went up, and uh, one of our elders, our senior pastor, walked by me again. And the elder came up, and he grabbed me by the face, and he says, God's calling you to graduate and go into ministry. And he named off all my giftings. And then he let me go. And I went home and told Beth, and I was like, seriously, this just happened. And she's like, okay, then we need to go. Not just like the, huh, okay. You know, um, and I think that there's trying to listen to God in ways that I didn't understand was difficult. Because I was still learning all of these different things. I was still learning to trust other people with my direction in God and what what God was working through them. And I want something that I need to point out that Elihu says, is he says, uh, in, starting at verse 7, I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom, but it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty that gives him understanding. It is, only, it is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. And then he says, therefore I say. Elihu knows Who's the one that's really speaking in him? And it's the Holy Spirit. And that's something that I needed to follow within these people. I needed to follow the Holy Spirit in Beth. I needed to follow the Holy Spirit in our elder at church. And um, it can be hard. And God speaks, and then, you know, he, he asked me if I was ready. And I was. And as soon as I said that, man, stuff started to click. Stuff started to happen. Uh, see, but now we're called into ministry somewhere else. And that's kind of the third thing that I needed to learn was to actually follow God's voice and instruction. Learning from God, learning to listen is one thing. Now that you've heard, now to follow out on what you've heard. That can be sometimes the hardest thing. And I needed to remove some barriers. Because to do what God was telling me to do, I was not capable in the person that I was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I kind of have a big warning on my sheet here. It says, it can be very difficult. Uh, it's big red. Big red. Um, because, man, it is hard. Um, when we went and told our uh, pastors that were doing the internship with us, the response we got was not a happy, you know, oh, great, we're excited you guys are leaving. You know, it was not that at all. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, it was kind of the opposite. And that stinks. That's very difficult to try and swallow and walk away from. Uh, you know, and we, they kind of took it to a different level, too. And I don't need to get into it. Um, but it left me wounded. And I was still wanting God to speak. But now my wound was speaking louder than God. And it was like, how do I, how do I work this? See, but God's never in a rush. Uh, took Job a while. He had three friends. 32 chapters until Elihu finally was the one to speak. That's a long time. Uh, and, you know, it's just some young guy that comes up with some hard words. And if you can imagine being the older guy and the younger guy's coming up trying to tell you what to do, it's like, psh, that's kind of my reaction, right? Uh, but he did. He listened. And Elihu made his... Not as a count off of what the friends said, but what God was saying. I want to read a quote. Uh, another one by Rob Reamer. This one, um, this one kind of led me to, to listen in a, in a way more particular way to what God was saying. It says, first, it is easier to hear God's voice on the go if we have spent time listening in stillness. And we've kind of already talked about that. But this part... Second, if we are going to hear God's voice distinctly, we must make sure that all barriers are removed. Now, what are those, right? 
I, I thought, man, I've dealt with all my stuff, right? No. Uh, I went to, uh, I saw my parents. They've been, my dad's been in ministry for, you know, almost 30 years. And they went to a conference called Soul Care. And I remember they came back and we were just talking with them in our living room. And after they left, I kind of looked at Beth. I was like, they are different. They are not the same people. And even though my dad's been in ministry for almost 30 years, he went to a conference that was teaching him how to release some of the things that he was telling himself that was keeping him from being where he needed to be. And my mom, she was releasing secrets that she had kept for years. And those secrets were eating away at her. And when she finally released them to God, and when she finally got them out into the open, she was a different person. And that's, I, I saw that and I went, I want that. That's where I need to go, God. That's where you're taking me, isn't it? And uh, so we went. We went to Soul Care. My parents actually invited us and they said, hey, we'll, we'll buy the tickets down to Boston to fly you if you guys take care of your arrangements. And I was like, sure. And uh, we went down and it was not an easy ride either. Man, there was a lot to learn and uh, I didn't have enough time. One time was not enough. Uh, but speaking... Um, one thing I needed to learn was to speak when God gave me something to say. When we went at Soul Care down in Boston, um, I had, I'd been having dreams for weeks, crazy dreams, weird, really weird dreams. And I was like, man, I don't know why I'm dreaming every night. And Beth's like, I never dream. Like, I just don't. And I was like, I don't know. I had this weird dream, right? And I'm like, I don't think it was for me. So we go to Soul Care, and they say, okay, we're going to split you up into groups, and we want you guys to just pray and ask what God's telling you to say to somebody. I was like, okay. So we split up into our group. I remember we prayed as a group. And then afterwards, we kind of all came out of the prayer. And there was probably like a long minute or two minutes where nobody said anything. And I was like, okay, I didn't get anything, right? So I can't really say anything. And then God was like, well, I gave you those two weird dreams last night. I was like, well, I don't know, weird, they're weird. And uh, so I was like, okay, you know what, I'll say them. So I said them, okay, this is the one dream. Uh, I had a dream where me and my sister were standing beside each other, and then this tornado came out of the sky and split us in two. And then another one came down and wrapped around that one, and I'm looking at Kayla going like, hey, we need to go, we need to leave. These tornadoes are going to get us up. And she's like, no, I can't. I'm over here. And I was like, in the dream, freaking out, like, no, they're coming down, like, we need to go. And uh, so I'm telling the group this, and the lady beside me just starts, like, losing it. She starts crying, and she says, that's me. And I was like, really? <laughs> okay. And she says, no, I, um, she confesses and comes out and says, I am an alcoholic, and that has taken my kids away from me, and they're now living with my sister. And uh, I was like, ooh. <laughs> um, and she says, the tornado is my alcoholism, one of them. And the other one is something that I won't mention. And I was like, all right. I was like, well, I had a second one. <laughs> and I told her that one, and it was like, I was, uh, I was at this church, and then I left. And I went under some snow, secretively, <laughs> to another church. <laughs> and, and, yeah, really weird. So I crawled under the snow, and I, like, popped up in a different church. And, uh, and then, you know, I, was, I slowly was feeling less and less awkward with this new church until I was actually really excited. And it's not that I didn't like the old church I had come from, but that this is where I needed to be now. And she said, well, that's me again. And I was like, oh, really? And she says, yeah, well, because I am, uh, oh, she was Amish. And her alcoholism had split her from her congregation. She was no longer allowed to be there. And it's not that she didn't want to be there, but she couldn't be. And she said, so now, and, and then the one guy sitting in our group, he said, well, welcome, you know, welcome to our church. Welcome to the family. And she just broke down. And uh, I, I needed to speak <laughs> when God was telling me something. And even though it felt really weird and I felt out of place 
and I felt like maybe there's nothing here, you know, she needed to hear that. And uh, there was another vision I had there too, uh, something about pyramids, and I told it, and some guy broke down, and it was good, but moving on. <laughs> yeah. So the, right after that, we had come back from Soul Care. I was working through removing these barriers from me. Uh, some of them were way harder than I thought. Some of them came back from the past, things that had been done to me, uh, things that I, I started to create a fear in me when it came to ministry, that the closer I came to God, the more real it became and the scared, you know, more scared I got. Because typically, whenever I was close to God, I would see some type of thing that would freak me out. And I would go like, if that's what you are, God, I, you know, I'm not there. But, uh, yeah, I was learning to remove some of those. So there was three kind of sucker punches that God did with me, all really within a really short amount of time, about two weeks. I uh, went to my parents. They were in Linden. Dave Hearn, the uh, Alliance president for our denomination, he was preaching there. My dad said, hey, you need to come check him out. Uh, just come listen to what he has to say. And he finished his sermon by saying, if you guys need any personal healing, come on up. And I had just had like this crazy bad injury to my back. And uh, I could almost not even get out of bed at times without it, you know, causing insane amount of pain. And so Beth's nudging me again, and she's like, you should go up. And I was like, okay. Finally listening to her when she's nudging me. And so I go up, and weird thing happened. Pain went away. Yeah. And uh, as I was leaving, some lady comes, and she says, the pain may come back, but it's because you need to deal with something. And I was like, okay. You know, or there's stuff to maneuver through that, right? And I was like, okay, lady, right? Um, (laughs) I know. Stuff, I I still need to work on stuff. I'm not perfect. (laughs) And... uh, but that night, we, had, we were going to uh, a worship night at Airdrie Alliance, and so we drove there, and as we were driving there, the pain did come back like 10 times worse than it was in the morning, and it just gripped me, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You know, maybe we should just go home. I just need to sleep, and Beth's, you know, like, well, how about we just keep driving, and you see how you feel as we go. So we got to the church, and uh, we jumped out, and funny thing again, as we started to worship, I stood up, and the pain, gone. And uh, right at the end, they say, hey, if you guys need healing, personal healing, come up to the front. I was like, no, the pain's gone. It's gone. And then it came back. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I went up to the front, and uh, (laughs) the senior pastor there, Sandy Isfeld, was praying for me. And uh, he starts praying, and he's like, God, I just pray that you heal Josh. And he stopped. And uh, he's like, Josh, um, I feel like there's something that I need to say, and I was like, okay. And he says, um, you need to forgive somebody before God's going to heal you. And he's like, do you know who it is? And I had just come out of the internship, and something that one of the, uh, one of the pastors said to me hurt me, you know, really deeply, uh, like really deeply. And I was like, yeah, ooh, I know who it is. And then he looks at me, he's like, is it me? I was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure? I was like, pretty darn, like, I'm pretty sure, and, uh, and he says, okay, well, I just feel like I need to say something to you, and I was like, okay, and he says, Josh, would you forgive me for anything that I have done against you? Would you forgive me for holding you back when you needed to be built up and encouraged? I have never cried that hard in my entire life. I don't know what happened, but him just saying that to me broke something in me, oh man, we need to be building up the youth in our churches. (laughs) And uh, when we get pushed down, I'm going to tell you, it hurts. We have a voice, right? And like Elihu, he's got the Spirit of God within him. It's not him, it's the Spirit. And uh, Sandy was confessing to me that he said, I have been stifling our youth for far too long. And he's like, not anymore. <clears throat> that, that took a lot of courage. And I cried in his arms for a long time. And I was at the front. And it stinks to cry in front of a bunch of people. 
but I let it go. The third sucker punch was um, right after that. Went to family's church, C3, and uh, very similar situation. I went up for healing, and the guy stopped, and he said, God's not going to heal you until you forgive somebody. Couldn't believe it. I was like, two times in a row? Really? Yeah, barriers I needed to remove. Some of those barriers were fear. Fear of my age. Fear of my ability. Um, And they were lies that I had been telling myself for years, that I was too young to do it. That I was uh, not educated enough to do it. That I would fail. And that no one wants me to actually do it. And uh, those were barriers that I needed to still taking those down. I just want to end today kind of recapping and with a personal challenge to all of us. um, I think we need to allow ourselves to learn. Allow yourself to learn to not believe that you're the only one that has the answers. Because if you do, you're going to miss out on what God's trying to say. And I missed out for too many years. I had three years where I didn't hear a single word. So allow yourself to learn. Uh, Those of you guys that are older, make room for the youth. And not be afraid to learn from them either. One thing that, uh, you know, I hear from children's church ministry workers all the time is that the kids teach them sometimes more than they think that they ever could. And they go in trying to teach the kids and then the kids ask them a question and they go like, ooh, whoa. So make sure to not just say that or believe that, you know, the youth can't say anything. Because, man, we need them to step it up earlier now. We need them to be starting to know who they are in Christ at five. As soon as they can start speaking, we need them to be speaking the Word of God. Youth, it's time to step it up. You guys are running into the culture at all fronts, and culture can be hard. And culture is telling you to believe specific things. And when you go and read Scripture, and it contradicts, and you go, well, you know what? This movie isn't necessarily quite as bad. Like, there's just a little bit of bad humor. It's like, well, sometimes that affects you more than you know. You guys need to step it up. We need you guys to start leading. We need you guys to start becoming the leaders that we need you to be. Because if you guys start now, when you guys start and you guys become Scott's age and you're leading your own church, oh man, right? And us who are our adults, we need to be willing to let the youth, you know, go further than us spiritually. That was something that I heard and, uh, this last year was to let the youth surpass you spiritually. That's what you want, isn't it? Uh, number two, listen. Listen. Try and listen from God. Slow yourself down. Don't be too busy to listen. Find the time. There is a lot of time. And a lot of the times we give it to the couch. And the couch is very boring and gives you absolutely nothing in return other than maybe a nice soft, you know. But we need to, we need to find the time to listen. And sometimes, you know, you'll get it at night. And you need to be prepared in the morning to write down what you heard and see what God's really trying to say out of that. And the last thing, follow God's voice and instruction. Uh, sorry, I think I've taken you guys a little longer, but I just want to finish quickly with a minute where we as a church right now process what God has been saying to us over the last week and then make a commitment to say, I'm going to follow through this next week. And uh, I feel like that's something that we have to do. You know, we're in a church service. (laughs) Let's give some time to God. So, for the next minute, everyone just go into your own personal prayer. And whatever God's been laying on your heart, whether it's what conviction it is, whether it's 
you need to learn. Maybe you need to be teachable. I know I've had that conversation with a couple this last week or this last year, and it's hard. It's very hard. Maybe you need to give up and let your kids teach you something because you haven't been stepping up and being the example in your house. Youth. Maybe it's like you got to stop following the culture and start following God. So just take some time right now. Let's give you a minute. And when you're done, write it down. Dear God, we just thank you for your word and uh, for your direction over our lives. God, we want to just give you all the glory today. We want to remove ourselves from, from getting in the way. And God, may you just take control. God, we thank you for the words that you've just shared to us this morning. And... Uh, we give those to you this week. God, we want to we wanna step it up. We want to follow you. We want to take it to the next level. We want to learn more. And God, you're the one that's going to do that. And we need you to do that. So we just thank you. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen.